Good morning, Spring Branch. Good to see you all today for our new series, Explore God. You ready to explore God together these next few weeks? It's going to be good. This week, does life have a purpose? How many of you have asked that question? Does life have a purpose? Is this it? What's the point of being here? This past week, uh, a few of you skated around in circles a few times, right? How many of you were there this past Wednesday, family skate night? I think we got a picture up there. There we are. Hundreds of people from Spring Branch filled up the Hey Good skating rink. It was a great time together. Uh, we even had a chance to pray with the family that was there. So you never know what will happen at the skating rink on a Wednesday night. Uh, I'm glad I wasn't there, though I would have loved to have seen you. I am a terrible roller skater. I'm one of those guys that hugs the wall all the way around. I just was not blessed with balance. Uh, I like just a firm, firm ground underneath me. Lindsay and I and the kids, we went to Snowshoe Mountain and did some skiing together. It was a great time. I'll talk about that here in a few minutes. But um, you ever feel like you're just skating around in circles in life? How many of you have ever felt that? You feel like life is just going around in a circle, going around in a circle. You get up, you get dressed, brush your teeth, wash your face, eat some breakfast, grab your beef briefcase or your, your backpack, and you go to school or you go to work and take a, take a break for lunch, and then you come home and you do the same thing, rinse and repeat over and over and over again. How many of you feel like life is just flying by, you're in a routine, and it feels like you're skating around the rink, around and around and around and around? And sometimes, I don't know about you, I've asked, is this all there is? Like, what is the purpose of life? The sun comes up, the sun goes down, the wind blows back and forth. Um, Solomon actually uh, described this perfectly in Ecclesiastes 1 four through six, King Solomon, the trillionaire, uh, says this, a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind and on its circuits the wind returns. That's our sentiment, right? We can resonate with that. The older I get, the more I feel like life is flying by at warp speed. And uh, I have those moments where I think, man, I've got one life to live. How am I living this life that God has given me? What is the purpose of all this? Surely it's more than just kind of going through the motions and just checking the boxes. What is the purpose of life? What is the purpose of life? Maybe Tom Brady can help us. Tom, help us out. One, two, three, there he is. Why do I have these three Super Bowl rings? By the way, this was 14 years ago when he said this. How many more rings has he won since then? He has six rings now. I wonder what he would say now. And still think, there's something greater out there for me? Why do I have these rings? And Is this it? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. That's what it's all about. I reach my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think, God, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all cracked up, cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27, as you said, 14 years ago. And what else is there for me? Crazy, isn't it? Here's a guy who has achieved unbelievable success, one of the greatest players of all time. And he's saying, is this it? What's the point? What's the purpose behind all this? I've worked so hard, blood, sweat, and tears, and I've reached the pinnacle of success as a football player but there's still this feeling of emptiness. There's still this feeling of unsatisfaction, unfulfillment. How many of you can relate to that? Maybe you've worked hard to achieve something in life, and then you get there, 
It's like, yet there's this kind of empty feeling you have. Like, is that it? Is that it? Solomon goes on to say in Ecclesiastes 2, 2, 4 through 8, he says, I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. Made myself pools from which to water the forests of growing trees. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. By the way, in today's terms, he was a trillionaire. Three, three trillion dollars in today's terms. That was his net worth. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. Verse 9, so I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. So on top of all his material possessions, he had wisdom. He had knowledge. He could answer any question that you had. He was Mr. Google himself back then. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. Then, he's looking back in his life when he wrote this, 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 uh, this part of the Bible in Ecclesiastes. He's sitting back in his lazy boy and he's reflecting on his life. And he's recounting all that he had accomplished and all that he had achieved in life. And he's looking back and he says, I considered all my hands had done and the toil I, I had expended in doing it. And behold, on the edge of your seat, on the tip of your toes, what's he going to say? All was vanity. He doesn't say all was worth it. He says all was vanity. A striving after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. What? He had gained everything. How is this possible? There was nothing to be gained under the sun. It was a chasing after the wind. That's what the word vanity means. It's a chasing after the wind. How silly is that, right? To picture somebody, and maybe you're sitting on a park bench, and you're watching somebody in the park, and they're, they're, they're like running around like this, trying to catch up to the wind. You, you, you laugh, but that, that's the picture that, that we have here. Chasing after the wind. It's impossible, right? Our effort is in vain, chasing after the wind. Nobody can catch the wind. God's up there looking down on us as his kids, and he's like, there he goes again. There's Heath again, trying to chase the wind, trying to catch the wind. We do that when we seek satisfaction and meaning and purpose in the things of this world, in the temporary, fading, rotting, rusting things of this world, things that are here today and gone tomorrow, in today and out tomorrow. It's chasing the wind. It's trying to catch something, and it's, it's impossible to catch something. Under this sun, on the face of this earth, there is nothing that can truly satisfy us and give us what we need. But yet every day we're convinced that we can chase the wind and catch it. And God's up there saying, son, daughter, stop chasing the wind. Life is not about you. It's not about you. If there's one thing this morning, Spring Branch, I want you to just allow your heart to be saturated with is it's not about you. Life is not about you. You might ask God, what is my purpose for my life? And he says, Heath, Gary, Blake, you're asking the wrong question. The, the right question is, God, what is your purpose for the life that you've given me? Ask not, what is my purpose for my life? Ask God, what is your purpose for my life? the life that you have given me. He has made us on purpose 
for a purpose. What is that purpose? What is that purpose? You know, it's been a journey for me through the years. The win that I've been trying to chase is man's approval. Man, I just can't get enough of uh, applause and a pat on the back and attaboy, Heath. Way to go, Heath. I mean, how many of you can relate? We all love words of encouragement and verbal affirmation. And Through the years, it, it, it's been a battle for me to, to not rely on that or depend on that for my own self-worth. And to me, that, that's been the wind that I've been chasing my whole life. And God keeps reminding me and keep whispering in my ear. He says, Heath, don't chase after that. There's no meaning. There's no, there's no satisfaction in that. It's fleeting. It's vanity. Yes, accept the words of encouragement. Say thank you. I appreciate it. And please, after this message, come up to me and give me a hug and say that was the best sermon that you've ever preached. That'd be great. But that's not what I need. I may desire that, but that's not what I need. What is that for you? What is the win that you are chasing? What if God's purpose for your life is bigger and better and greater than anything that you have created on your own? Or anything anybody else could give you? Don't settle for crumbs. Don't settle for less. God has something greater planned for you. A grand purpose that you can get caught up in. What is that? What is that purpose? See, C.S. Lewis says this. He says, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. I love that. I mean, how many of you can relate to just that feeling, right, of emptiness and unsatisfaction? It's just, I just can't quite have that feeling of completeness and wholeness in day-to-day -day life. I just can't quite get there. I mean, I've, I've achieved so much. I've got a boat. I've got a great house. I've got great relationships. I've got all this stuff. But at the, at the end of the day, I just, I don't, there, there's, nothing, there's nothing that can truly fulfill my desire here on earth. It's because we were made for another world. God handcrafted each of us. He invented us, and the great inventor knows how we tick. He knows how we're wired. He knows what we need. It's not something that this world can provide. It's everything that he can provide. See, we were made for another place. We were made for heaven, and so we need some, we need some heavenly stuff, right? We need some godly stuff. We need stuff that only God can provide us. We were made for another world. So the right question is, does God have a purpose? What better place to look then God, what, what, what was God's purpose? What, what is God's purpose? See, finding our purpose begins with the God who made us on purpose. He's a God of purpose, and he made us on purpose for a purpose. I said, I said that on purpose. Rick Warren, how many of you have read Purpose Driven Life? Great book, one of the highest, best-selling books of all time. If you haven't read it, pick it up. But the very... First thing he says in that book, and if you read one sentence in that whole book, it's the very first one. He says this, it's not about you. It's not about you. How have you made your life about you? It's not about you. And then he follows it up with, it all starts with God. And he says, you cannot, 
fulfill God's purposes for your life while focusing on your own plans. You cannot, Spring Branch, fulfill God's purposes for your life while focusing on your own plans. Who are you in your story? If your life is like a story, are you the main character? Are you the hero? Or are you just one of the characters with God as the hero? What part of the story of your life are, are, are you playing? Is everything revolving around you? It's not about you. It all starts with God and his purpose for your life. Okay, now that you're on the edge of your seat and you can't wait to find out what God's purpose is, right? Edge of your seat, suspense. Let's find out. What better place to look than Psalm 23? Psalm 23, verse one. Everybody say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Okay, so we find out that the Lord is our shepherd. He takes care of us. He protects us. Um, and he's all that we need. I shall not want. How awesome is that? He fulfills every desire and satisfaction that we, that we have in our hearts. I shall not want anything else except for the loving hand of my shepherd. Okay, so well, let's keep reading. He makes me lie down in green pastures. So as his sheep, he leads us to, to, to the right place. He, reads us, he leads us to a place where we can have sustenance and, and uh, relationships and everything that we need in life. I love that, I love that term, he makes us. <laughs> he makes us. Uh, I need to be made to go some places sometimes in life. And sometimes God allows things to happen in your life. There's a purpose behind it because he's trying to push you into another place to grow you and shape you and make you into the person he created. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water, so he takes care of us. So is God's purpose us? He loves us. He cares about us. He protects us. He provides for us. It sounds like he's pretty into us, which he is. Let's keep reading. He leads me in passive righteousness. And then David says this, curveball. He says, everybody with me, for his name's sake. Whoa, 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 wait a second, wait a second. The lights on the dashboard are going off. I thought the Bible was about me. I thought the Bible was about me. I thought God was for me. Yeah, he is. The Bible's about you. But more than anything, from Genesis, Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is about God and his glory. The Bible is about God. He's the main hero of our story. Yes, the Bible is like this love letter written to us and it's all about what God has done for us and will do for us and is doing for us. He loves us. But the motivation behind all of that is his glory. It's for his name, his namesake. This is life changing. This is life changing. Life is not about you. Your purpose is not about you. Your purpose is about glorifying the God of the universe the God who created us, the God who saved us, and the God who sustains us every day. We need to put ourselves in, in the proper place for his name's sake. And uh, I heard one time that we learn by repetition. That's what we, we do with our kids at home. So strap yourselves in. I'm gonna, just going to prove to you, this is not just my opinion. This is God's, God's truth. Um, going into this Sunday, I was a little intimidated by this question. What, what is the purpose of life? I mean, what a, 
What a crazy question to jump into and for me to try to tackle on my own. So I'm not. I'm going to let God's word do the talking. Isaiah 43, 7. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Notice a theme here. See if you can pick it up. Isaiah 49. God calls Israel for his glory. Yet he saved them for his namesake, Psalm 106, 8, that he might make known his mighty power. Romans 9, 17, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Ezekiel 20, verse 9, but I acted for the sake of my name. 1 Samuel 12, 22, for the Lord will not cast off his people for his great name's sake. Ezekiel 36, God restored Israel from exile for the glory of his name. John 7, 18, Jesus sought the glory of his father in all that he did. Even Jesus wasn't about himself. He was about glorifying his father. If God is for God, first and foremost, then we should be for God, first and foremost, right? Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God, all these other things that you're worried about, all these anxieties, all your cares will fall into place because you're putting the big rock first. You're keeping the main thing the main thing. Matthew 5, 16, 1 Peter 2, 12, Jesus tells us to do good works. Why? For the glory of his name. Come on, anybody out there? John 17, Jesus says he answers prayer so that God may be glorified. John 12 and 17, Jesus endures his final hours of suffering. Why, would he, why did he suffer? For the glory of God. Romans 3, 25 through 26, God gave his son to vindicate the glory of his righteousness. John 16, 14, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to glorify the Son of God. 1 Peter 4, serve in a way, spring branch, that will glorify him. 2 Thessalonians 1, Jesus is coming again. Why? For the glory of God. For the glory of God, Jesus is coming again. How many of you are excited for Jesus to come back? Jesus' ultimate aim for us is that we see and enjoy his glory, John 17. That's his aim for us, is that we would see him and enjoy him and his glory. Habakkuk 2, a book of the Bible that I'm sure you read often, says, earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord like the water of the seas. We live near the ocean. Last, last time I checked, the water covers the entire sea. Think about the knowledge of the glory of the Lord covering the earth, covering our lives. And finally, Romans 11. Everything happens that happens will redound to the glory of God. Are you noticing a theme here? Class, right? Lindsay's teaching our kids homeschool. She's like, I just have to keep repeating things, keep repeating things. So it just gets into their mind, into their heart. That's good. I think that we, we need to remember every day that life is not about our own purpose, our own plans. It's about God's purpose and his plans for our lives. It's about his glory. What if we made our purpose his glory? What if we did everything for his namesake? How would our lives be different? The word glorify means this, to light up brilliantly. I love that, to light up brilliantly. Bestowing honor and praise or admiration on something or someone. 
A few days ago, uh, Lindsay and I, we embarked on a great journey into the mountains of West Virginia to carve up some powder at Snowshoe Mountain. And um, we uh, will never leave at such a time again where we're driving through the mountains in the dark. Uh, let me tell you, it was treacherous. Uh, it was crazy, crazy pitch dark out there. There was fog. There were these hairpin turns. Uh, Lindsay was praying the whole time. We had a Raise a Hallelujah by Bethel playing the whole time. Just like, God, protect us. Keep us safe. There were a few times where I, I, I didn't know where the road was. Why? Because there weren't reflectors. How many of you have driven on a road where all you can see are the reflectors? And you have to wait until your headlights shine on the reflectors. And I was, as I was driving through the mountains, um, and as the good, good preacher I am, I was thinking of a good sermon illustration. And, it, and God just put it, on, put it right there for me. We are reflectors of God's light. We live on this journey, this life, and it's dark. It's treacherous. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. You don't know what's around the bend. We need the light of the world. We need God to shine his light on our lives, through our lives. We need to be a reflector of his light in this dark world. We need to shine his light brilliantly through our words and through our actions. We are reflectors of, of the grand light of God. Are we so dependent on his light in our lives? Are we living for his light? Are we living for his glory? And what if, what if people demanded, demanded an explanation by the way that you live? They're like, man, why are you living like that? Where's that grace, that patience, that compassion, that faithfulness? Where's that self-control come from? And there's an opportunity right there to reflect the light and point to God and give him glory. Can people tell by the way you live that, that, that you're glorifying God? Are you living in such a way to put God on display with your life? You are a reflector of his light. Shine brilliantly. Give him admiration, bestow on him honor and praise through your life. Other people will take notice. What if Spring Branch, as a church, we reflected the light of God? What if we were a city on a hill shining bright for all to see? As individuals and as a community, what if other people drove past our church and said, that's the church that helped those homeless kids. That's the church that mentors all those Jaycox students. That's the church that, that wraps their arms around military families. What if we are reflectors of the light of God? What if we were glorifying him with our words and with our actions? The next time somebody asks you what the purpose of your life is, you can quote the Westminster Shorter Catechism. I grew up Presbyterian, so as a faithful, good Presbyterian boy, I had this memorized. It says this, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Whatever circumstance you find yourselves in, whether you're a student, whether you're a realtor, 
whether you're a doctor, a teacher, whatever vocation you find yourself in during the week, a father, a mother, wherever you find yourself, you have an opportunity to enjoy God's presence. And when you do, you glorify him. Whatever seemingly mundane activity you find yourself in during the week, you have an opportunity to shine his light to your kids, to your neighbors, to your coworkers, to your family, to those around you. I don't know about you, but that's comforting to me because sometimes I, I can look on social media and feel inferior because I'm, I'm comparing my behind the scenes with everybody else's highlight reel, right? Anybody can relate to that? One of my friends, he just swam to Africa and adopted like 20 kids. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what, what, what kind of Christian am I, you know? Maybe you do that, or maybe you just love the person right in front of you. You just glorify God washing the dishes, taking out your trash, listening to someone, praying with somebody at a skating rink. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. A few weeks ago, um, I had the, the honor and privilege been asked to speak at a few places through the years, and this was, this was like really, 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 really cool. One of our uh, members here at Spring Branch uh, has become the second owner of a Chick-fil-A in the area, Jason Barnes, great, great man of God. His family are awesome. They've become great friends of ours. Um, a few weeks ago, he invited me and a few other people to, to stand around in a circle in the, the, the new Northampton Chick-fil-A, but at that time, it was just the wooden frames. The walls hadn't been put up yet. But Jason, as the godly, faithful man that he is, invited some people to come. This is not to glorify Jason. Um, but we gathered in a circle and we prayed. We prayed God's blessing on that, on that space. And we had a chance to, to write positive quotes and thoughts and verses on the, the walls of the Chick-fil-A. I think it's Isaiah 58. Just a great example of, of what, it, what it can look like to be a reflector of God's light in this world. Chick-fil-A's purpose is this, to glorify God by serving all people in our restaurant, creating a great place to work, eat, and gather. And the, the Kathy family years and years ago put a stake in the ground and said, you know what, we're not gonna have church on Sunday. We're not gonna have, we'll have church on Sundays. We're not gonna have chicken on Sundays. Sorry, I started with a C-H. We're not going to have chicken on Sunday, so everybody can go to church. He put a stake in the ground and said, we're going to keep the, the Sabbath holy. I mean, think about the millions and millions of dollars they're missing out on. They drew a line in the sand because they wanted to stick out and be different and reflect God's light to a lost world. And there's something that's different. Not that Chick-fil-A is perfect. Not trying to glorify them. But clearly, they have strived to glorify God in everything that they do, right? There's something about Chick-fil-A is different. The excellence, the authenticity, the humility, the whole my pleasure thing. I find myself saying that around the house. They actually serve you at your table. It's just an incredible environment. But clearly they have high standards. They have high standards because they've chosen to glorify God. Everything kind of flows out of that. It's no accident that God has given them great favor. When we sit around that circle a few weeks ago, Amongst those wooden frames, I shared this verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat chicken nuggets or drink sweet tea or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. 
Do it all to the glory of God. I love how Paul communicates this. I, lo- I, lo- I love how he lays this out. It's just everyday life, friends. Whatever you find yourself doing this week, just try to do it for the glory of God. Ask yourself, how can I do this or this for the glory of God? After a long day of work, I'll come home and, um, you know, the, the, the guy over on this shoulder says, Heath, you deserve to sit on the couch and watch Sports Center and eat popcorn and just zone out, right? You've had a tough day, hard day. But then this guy over here says, no, 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 no. Heath, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about God. It's about how you can glorify God. Maybe, maybe you need to help Lindsay do the dishes, help clean up, engage the kids. Uh, I, I battle that. And I think every day we, we, we battle those two voices. One guy on one shoulder says, it's about you. It's about what you want. You deserve this. You're entitled to this. The guy on the other shoulder says, it's not about you. Not about you. How can you glorify God in this moment? Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, Spring Branch, do it all for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. It changes everything. Before your feet hit the ground every day, God, it's not about me. It's about you today. May may this day be about you, all about you. That changes how you spend your money. That changes how you spend your time, how how you use your talents, your gifts. That changes everything. Life is not about you. Your purpose in life does not revolve around you. It's what God wants to do in you and through you. Make your story about God's glory. Make your story about God's glory. If you remember one thing this week, make your story about God's glory. Looking back on your life, your story, may it be a life saturated with giving God the glory, giving God the praise for your life. Just want you to close your eyes for just a second. Right there in your seat, I want you to consider your life and your story. Where have you been chasing after the wind? What if you chased hard after Jesus instead because he is more than enough for you? Ask God for forgiveness. Say, God, I confess. I confess that I've been running hard after the fleeting, vain things of this world. God, forgive me. Give me a fresh start, clean slate, new beginning. God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die for me. God, my life is not about you. My life is about, my life is not about me, it's about you and giving you the glory in my story. In this moment, if you, if you have never received Jesus as your personal savior, now's the time. Ask God into your life once and for all and may you choose to live for him, for his glory.
And may you remember Jesus on the cross, suffering under the weight of his own body, saying, God, I want to glorify your name. It's not about my will, but your will. May you remember what God has done for you, and may you give him the glory and live for his namesake every day of your life.